I wanted to focus on this set of people who really didn't know how to become more healthy or how to become more fit. I didn't want to work with my peers who are already running and cycling and skiing. They already know what to do. But here are these people who have no idea. And so those were the people that I wanted to help. Welcome to the Second Act Fit Pros podcast, the show where I highlight the vibrant and active lives of health and fitness professionals in their second act. I'm your host, Erin, a functional aging specialist, and I'm here to introduce you to a diverse range of professionals dedicated to empowering individuals to live well, thrive, and embrace their second act through movement and improved health. Join me as we explore the endless possibilities and opportunities in the health and fitness field. talking with Randy Bethel, who transitioned from the fast-paced tech industry to the world of fitness and wellness. Randy is a certified ACSM, which stands for American College of Sports Medicine Personal Trainer, and a certified functional aging specialist that found her calling at a local YMCA where she focuses on helping older adults take their first steps towards a healthier lifestyle. She shares a story of a client who, under her guidance, was able to embark on a memorable adventure with her husband. She's not just a trainer. She's a cyclist on a mission. For the past 19 years, she's led a team in the MS-150 ride, an incredible event dedicated to raising funds for multiple sclerosis. Randy and her team have raised over $500,000 over the past 19 years. You can be a part of this noble cause too. Check out the link in the show description to contribute to Randy's team. We start off the conversation talking about how Randy got started with the MS-150 fundraising ride. Here's my conversation with Randy Bethel. I ride with a group here, and we met doing this ride called, it's an MS-150 ride called Waves to Wine, and it's a fundraiser for multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. And I've built a team over the past 18, 19 years. And so these are all people that ride this ride with me every September, and we raise money for MS. And my team has actually raised over $500,000 over the years that go wow. toward patient services and research and stuff like that. Yeah. It's wow. We're, we're for real. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. So is MS something that's near and dear to your heart? It is. I have two friends that were diagnosed about 20 years ago when I started doing the ride. One was, is a good friend of mine from high school. We graduated high school together. And the other is the, the mother of the family I grew up next door to. So she was almost like my second mom. So it was interesting that they were both diagnosed within months of each other, but yet they were, they were probably over 20 years apart because one was like a mom and the other mm -hmm. was my age. And there, so I grew up in New York. And so they were in New York and, and I was in California and I just felt so awful that they were diagnosed with this terrible thing and there wasn't anything I could do about it. Like I, I couldn't even help them in like day-to-day -day stuff if they needed it because I was 3,000 miles away, but I could ride my bike and raise money. So yeah. that's what I started doing. Wow. Yeah. You said 13 years? Uh, about 20. Uh, 20 years. It was about 20 years ago. So this is going to be wow. year 19 for me on this ride. That's amazing. Yeah. I was going to ask you about your biking and how you got started in that and what you're doing with biking, because it sounds like your activity of choice. 
Yes, for sure. I had always been active. I had been a, somewhat of a runner. It was not my favorite thing. I was a swimmer. I was a cyclist, a skier. And I just, I really clung to the, the cycling in the summer yeah. around here. And that has definitely become my activity of choice. And my network has just grown because of cycling. And it's funny when I look at the team that I have. So there are about 20 or 25 of us that ride pretty consistently on this fundraiser ride. Uh And when I look at like the family tree, if you will, like people come with people and this one introduces that one. And it's really incredible how the team has grown over the years. Come and go. We have people who come and they ride with us for a year or two, and then we never see them again. But there's this core of about 20 people who have been riding together for quite a number of years. Uh, We have a couple of people on our team who have MS. And you would never even know it. And they both credit two things, a couple of things for their health. One is that they've continued to be active. And the other is that with the run- the money we've raised, they've gotten really good therapies to help keep their disease or their condition at bay. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's oh really powerful gosh. what we do. Yeah, that is really rewarding. Yeah. When did you get involved in cycling? Yeah, I, I rode as a kid. And um, it's always just been there. I've always had a bicycle. And as an adult, I just got more into it. And now I have a really nice bike. I got to know you a little bit yesterday and you said you had always been active like your whole life. And so it sounds like cycling was a big part of that. Yeah. I've been active as an adult. As a kid, I really wasn't so much. So this is actually, this might be funny. My mother was a phys ed teacher. And when I was in high school, I would cut phys ed any chance I could. I I also did play a little bit tennis. My, My parents were tennis players and they actually met on the tennis courts in New York City. And so they taught me how to play from a very young age. And so I played a little bit in college, but I was never very good and I'm not very competitive. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really find activities, physical activities, until I was in an adult, like probably in my mid to late 20s. When I looked at a picture mm-hmm. of myself and I was like, oh, no, I'm just getting too big. So in my early 20s. I started a tech career after college. I went to school mm-hmm. for, for computers and, and I started my tech career and was sitting at a desk and going out to lunch and to dinners and having drinks. And, and I just kept getting a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And I saw that picture. I was probably, I don't know, mid 20 somewhere. And I was like, oh man, I got to stop this right now. And so I actually started with Jane Fonda's exercise program. Classic. 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 Right? Right? I, oh, yeah. My mom what? used to do Jane Fonda, and I would do it with her. It was the yeah. best. It was. She had great music, and she had great moves. And I, I started walking, and the weight just started coming off. And, and then I was hooked. Because I liked the way I felt. Yeah. And I liked the way I looked. And when yeah. you're in your mid-20s, it's really a lot about how you look. You know? Yeah, it is. It is. 
So this was always in the backdrop while you're doing your tech career. Right. So tell me when that switch happened from going from tech into fitness as a career. I'd always had this love-hate relationship with my career. Like I liked tech, which is why I went into it. I enjoyed the work and I really liked the people and I certainly liked the salary. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really like the politics and I didn't like the stress levels of the working 60 to 80 hours a week sometimes. I, everything I did was project-oriented or a lot of what I did was project-oriented. So these projects would start up and then you would just start working like all these hours. And it was a real effort for me to stay active. Thankfully, I did make it a priority. And so I got 30 years into it and I was looking for something different. I was looking mm -hmm. for a change. And what I realized is that there was this whole group of people who were like toward the end of their careers, like the baby boomers, they were toward the end of their careers and they were, they had gotten as high as they were going to get on their, on the corporate ladder and their kids were leaving home. They were empty nesters. And they realized now that they're in their 50s and 60s, they can't walk up a flight of stairs without getting winded. They're borderline hypertensive. They're borderline diabetic. And they don't know what to do about it. And one of the things that I learned in my career is that I'm really good with beginners. Mm -hmm. So I'm not threatening. I'm very approachable. And so the people who were learning tech. So I worked for a software company. So people who were starting to learn the software, who were very afraid of it, felt comfortable coming to me. So I was able to teach them how to use the software, lay their fears a little bit. So I knew that I was really good with beginners. And so that's why I wanted to focus on this set of people who really didn't know how to become more healthy or how to become more fit. I didn't want to work with like my peers who are already running and cycling and skiing. They already know what to do. Mm -hmm. But here are these people who have no idea. And so those were the people that I wanted to help. And they're the people who need it more. The people who are already active, they're already doing their thing. Mm -hmm. They don't need anything from me. They're, they're already pretty healthy. Yeah. These, these sedentary people are not. So what did that look like for you, working with the beginners? What were you doing? So what I would do, so I, was, I started out my career working at the local YMCA. And, and I was very specific about the people that I wanted to work with. It was these baby boomers and older adults who had been le leading sedentary lives. And so what I would do is I would, somebody would sign up for personal training or they were thinking about personal training and they would make an appointment and I would talk with them. I'd make an, meet with them for an hour and just talk them through what are their needs? What are their requirements? What are their goals? Because it's really all about them. Mm -hmm. you know, I could go on and on about, oh, let me tell you about the programs that I can build for you. No, that's not what it's about. It's what is it you want to do? And tell me about your medical history or your health history? What have you done in the past? Because maybe if you were active in your 20s and 30s and now you're in your 50s and 60s and you're not, maybe you could draw a little bit from your past experiences. Your body remembers movement. 
and it moves naturally. So let's tap into some of that. You may be, you, you think you've forgotten it, but your body probably knows how to get back to that. So I would spend an hour with them, just talking with them and watching them move. Um, and then I would put together a, a program from there. Um, one of the most important things for some of these people is just mobility. They, they don't need to be strong right away. That's a goal to do whatever it is they want to do, whether it's getting up and down off the floor or lifting up their grandchildren or whatever. But first, they need to be mobile. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of work with mobility, with the shoulders, with the hips, with the back, with the ankles, with the feet. What do you think are some mistakes people make when working with beginners? Oh, they throw them right into a program. Mm -hmm. They say, okay, do, do 10 loaded squats or do three sets of it and go from one exercise to the next. It's, beginners can't really do that. Yeah. And also the other thing with beginners, they don't really know anything about fitness yet. And so they don't, they may not know really what to ask for. So you really have to, you have to ask really thought-provoking questions, open-ended questions about, you're here for a reason. Tell me why you came to see me today. There must be some underlying something. And the first time you meet somebody, they may not be totally open with you because they don't have a relationship with you yet. So it might take a little time and you have to be patient. And I think a lot of the younger, the younger trainers, they don't really have that perspective. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's just graduated from school or they just got their degree and they're in their mid-20s or something, they don't have the perspective of listening and asking questions and understanding what these people's goals might be. Because their goals would be, oh, I want to fit into my skinny jeans. I want to get a six-pack abs. People over 50 are not, yeah, they want to look good, but that's not their primary motivation. The thing that's come up of past few interviews that I've done is how much to be a good trainer. It's really about it. It's a caregiving role. It's not a look at me, look at how fit I am role, which tends to be that way when you're younger. But it's really about, like you said, like listening and having that relationship skills with people to be a, a great trainer. It's not about how buff you are. Right. And sometimes I'll meet with a client that I've been meeting with for years, and she just may not feel like doing much that day. Mm -hmm. So what am I going to do? I'm gonna, am I going to have her do a bunch of squats and do a bunch of step-ups? No. She's tired. She's got a stressful life. Let's just sit and do some stretching. Let's go for an easy walk. Yeah. You really have to go with the flow. Tell me a little bit more about the details behind that transition between going from tech to working at the YMCA. What was your education background to make that transition? And that's a very different world, tech to YMCA. <laughs> yes, it is. So when I had this idea that I wanted to go into personal training, the first thing I did was to research programs at our local community colleges. So I'm a big proponent of education formal education, informal education, whatever. I thrive really well in the classroom. And so I, I knew that I wanted to really learn as much as I could. So I found a program at one of our colleges 
community colleges here while I was still working. And I went to my first class. So I signed up for an evening class on personal fitness or personal or fitness anatomy 101 or something like that. And I went to the class. I was like, wow, these people are talking about things that I'm interested in. They're learning about the human body and how fascinating it is. And everybody here is really interested in the human body and what it can do. I knew at that point that I was in the right place. Hmm. So that was my first class. And from then, I just continued with the class. And I eventually did get my, my associates in kinesiology over time. So the, the textbooks that they used at the school just coincidentally happened to be from ACSM. And so because I was learning from their materials, I then took their exam, their certification exam. And that was probably, that was in like 2014. I took their exam, something like that. And once I got certified, then I was like, now I have to do this. There's no turning back. Yeah. So you were doing all that while you were working in tech, going to the community college and getting the certification. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I did most of the program while I was still working, taking one or two classes a semester in the evenings. Yeah. And then toward the end, I realized that the two classes, the two last classes I needed were lab classes. It was human anatomy and human physiology. And they were five credit courses. They required a lab and they don't offer those in the evenings. So I quit my job. As one would do. Yeah. Class is more important than work. That's right. And at that time, I had started working at the Y. So when I quit my, so I had the Y to go to when I quit my job. Like I had already been doing some volunteer work there. Okay. And, and my mom had belonged to the Y. And so I was, at the Y, uh-huh. doing, doing some work. And so when I said, hey, I'm going to quit my job, could you use another personal trainer? They're like, sure, come on in. That was easy. Yeah. So, so I quit my job on, on, that, on Halloween, actually, of 2014. And I was at the Y like two days later. Wow. So I didn't have any downtime. So I started working at the Y probably 10 to 15 hours a week. Okay. And then I was able to finish my degree. So it it took me another year to finish the degree because I had to do these lab classes sequentially. I couldn't do them at the same, at the same time. I was able to work my Y schedule around my class schedule. Okay. But you had your certification already. These were just additional courses you were taking. Correct. This was to finish up my kinesiology degree. Okay. So kinesiology. And were you able to go right into personal training? You had training clients? I did. What was that like? Okay. I started right away. How did you get your first clients? So at the Y, people come in and they sign up for personal training. Mm-hmm. And then the Y assigns somebody, assigns a personal trainer. And so I was very specific in who I wanted to work with. And so that's who they assigned to me. That's great. So yeah. you told them, this is who I want to work with. And then they yeah. assigned appropriately. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Okay. There's something to be said for knowing what you want and asking for it and just assuming you're going to get it. Okay. This is how old I am. 
these are the people I want to work with. What are they going to say? No. I mean, there were plenty of people in that demographic. So it's not like they were hurting. It's not like they couldn't find anybody for me. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my lessons when I started out personal training at a gym is people would just sign up for personal training. And it was very much of this person wants to work out at this day and this time. Your schedule's open. Here's your client. And that was not a good approach. That was not, and this was a while ago, but that was not a good fit for either party. Because what? you're just, you're only being assigned based on availability. And I find that when you're clear on the people that you want to work with, and sometimes you have to have that experience. You just have to dip your toe in the water and figure it out. But the people that you gain based on building those relationships or in your instance, knowing exactly the population you want to work with, it completely changes the personal training client relationship. And it's a much better relationship rather than here, here's somebody that's available. I didn't have a great experience. It wasn't good, again, for either party. So I think it's really important to know who you wanted to work with. Yeah. And I think the YMCA is different from classic gyms in that <laughs> it is more community oriented and more family oriented. Mm -hmm. So they might have a little bit more freedom to, mm -hmm. they're not all about the bottom line. Yeah, they want to right. make, but they're a nonprofit and mm -hmm. they want to be part of the community. And so yeah. they're going to try to do the right things for the community. So I think yeah. that's a difference between mm -hmm. the Y and a commercial gym. I did want to get into that and what your experience was like working at a YMCA that first year. You always learn the most when you're on the job. What did you learn about personal training? So one of the things that I learned, and actually this was a holdover from my consulting days, is that you don't have all the answers, especially in the beginning. And so I was able to ask some really seasoned trainers for their advice. If I had questions about, I have this client and these are her issues, what would you recommend? And I got some really good additional education from my coworkers. Mm. It was really nice. And that's one thing that I've missed since COVID because the Y closed and I was without a job. I did a little bit of work one-on-one um, -on -one with people, but I didn't have that that camaraderie with colleagues. Yeah. Yeah, that camaraderie and that mentorship is really important. That's one thing I think can be missing in this field, especially if you go out on your own and you don't have a place where you're with other trainers to ask questions and to continue learning. What do you think is important for somebody to know about working at a YMCA that they should be prepared for? Because it is a different environment than a gym. You really need to be flexible because you never know what they're going to ask you to do. Mm. Oh, you may not do, you may not be doing just personal training. Be open to doing multiple things. I was asked to teach, teach a weight loss class. Oh, okay. I, I'm not a nutritionist, but I can certainly guide people to, through activities that will help them lose weight. We set up a 10 week weight loss clinic that I led, which I wouldn't have thought about doing on my own. 
I also got involved in a couple of other programs specific to seniors, a class called Enhanced Fitness, mm-hmm. which was a canned class. And so you have to be open to whatever it is that the why is promoting. Mm-hmm. And it's generally all good stuff. Yeah. And it, it only helps broaden your education and broaden your experience when you take on additional roles that you just didn't think, you didn't think about when you got into personal training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something you need to think about if you're going to go into a why. It's much more relaxed as a personal trainer than, than going into a commercial gym because the commercial gym is so much focused on the bottom line and the why is not. Right. You started at 12 to 15 hours. A week. Did you stay at that schedule or did you build up your hours? No, pretty much. Okay. At the peak, I was probably at 20 hours a week. I was working on a program that was, it was actually a clinical trial that the the YUSA had gotten involved in. It was studying the effects of exercise on mild cognitive impairment. And it was funded by National Institute for Health. And so it was really, it was a really intense project. It was really fun and very rewarding. So when I was working with that on that project, I was probably up to about 20 hours a week. And that's when the Y closed for COVID. It was like in the middle of that project, before the end of that project. How did things change for you during COVID and where are you at right now with your training? So the Y closed. They put us all on furlough. They were closed for a year. It was one of the last Ys to open because of where it's situated. So it's situated in a neighborhood. And so they had to be really careful about doing anything outside. They couldn't really have classes outside because it was in the neighborhood and the neighborhood didn't want to hear the noise. So they were one of the last to to open. They didn't open for a year. And then I just never really went back. During COVID, I started working one-on-one with a couple of my clients that I had met at the Y who had, they had contacted me a month into COVID and said, you know what, I, I just really need help moving. I used to move with you at the Y and now I'm not going to the Y and I'm not moving and I really need to. Mm-hmm. So I started doing stuff on Zoom, mm-hmm. just a couple of clients. Yeah. And I just, I never went back to the Y. Then when people were meeting in person, then I started meeting them in their homes or at a park, local okay. park. Okay. Yeah. And how many clients do you have right now? How much training are you doing right now? I have three clients and I'm working five hours a week, which is perfect. It's perfect. That's exactly <laughs> how much you want to work. And is it, it's all in person? It's all in person. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're That's all within of... about four miles of my house. So it's really easy to get to them. Yeah. Amazing. This is a great representation of you can work as little or as much as you want in this industry. And if three clients working five days a week is all you want to do, you can do that. And if you just want to teach one class a week, you could do that too. Right. There's a, a need for that. So you sound like you're totally happy right now. You just no need to grow. You're happy doing what you're doing right now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm good. I, it, it allows me to do the other things I want to do in my life. Yes. When I look at my life, I wonder, how did I have time to work? I, I don't know. <laughs> How do we work 40 plus hours a week when there's so much other things that we could be doing? What do you love most about personal training? I like the relationships that I build with people. 
And I like being able to help people. These, these are people, a lot of them, they don't move without me. And so I want to be there to help them move, to stay healthier. The people I work with have grandkids. They want to be able to play with their grandkids and be active with their grandkids. And I like to help them do that. Do you have any favorite stories from a client that was memorable, something that has made a big impression on you? So I had a client at the Y who was, I don't know, she was a little bit older than me, not a whole lot older. And her husband was an avid hiker. He used to hike all over the place. Like every day he'd be going for hikes. And she was really not that mobile and not that strong. They planned a trip to Peru and they were going to Machu Picchu. And she says to me like two months before the trip, she says, so we're going to Machu Picchu and there's, and we're going to hike part of the Inca Trail. And I just don't know that I can do that. My husband is going to be, he's really strong. He's going to be able to do this. I need to get in shape to do this. So we worked on her leg strength, on her balance, on her core strength. So she goes off, they go off to Machu Picchu, they go off to Peru and they come back. My God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and she says to me, my husband didn't know who I was because she was able to do everything that he needed her to do. That's priceless. You, you can't put a price yeah. tag on that. Yeah, she was a client of mine at the Y for long until the Y closed. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I was just so happy to be able to help her. She was able to enjoy the hiking aspects of her vacation with her husband. Mm -hmm. And she would not have been able to do that if we hadn't worked together. Helped her build memories with her husband. Right. That's amazing. Right. We talked about you going from tech into this personal training job. And it sounded like in your tech job, you had this component of being a teacher, that you were able to apply to personal training and working with beginners. Are there other aspects of your job in tech that you feel like you've been able to repurpose and utilize in your personal training career? Yeah, I've, communication is really a big one because I am, I am approachable by people and people communicate with me. And I'm also a listener. I'm much more of a listener than I am a talker. Talking about myself makes me a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> I like to hear what's going on in people's lives. And listening is really important. It was important when I was in tech, listening to people's um, concerns about the project that was going on, their fears about their job changing. So that, was, that had a huge listening component. And in personal training, there is a huge listening component as well, because I need to understand where they're coming from, because it's really all about them. It's not about me. Mm -hmm. Also, the love of learning. When you're in tech, you're always learning new things. Right? And fitness is the same thing. There's, there are always things you can learn. And I just love learning. I, I listen to webinars and I'm reading stuff and I subscribe to a couple of magazines and go to fitness conferences. And I just, I really like to learn new things. Do you think you're going to continue to do this for a lot longer? Or what do you think your future is with personal training? 
I don't see myself stopping because I enjoy it. And I feel like I have this breadth of knowledge now and I want to share it with people. Maybe a small set of people, but I want to share it nonetheless. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to help people when they need it. I can't imagine not doing it, really. And I also, I do help friends and people are always asking me for fitness advice. And so I, I want to continue helping them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any advice that you'd give for somebody that's maybe considering working in health and fitness, maybe as a personal trainer or group exercise instructor, but they're not really sure if it's something they want to do or taking those next steps? Yeah, a couple of things. One is if you're not sure, take a class. Take a class at a community college and see if it's something, if it's knowledge that you want to gain as opposed to just going to a fitness class. That's different. Do you want to understand how the body works? Do you want to understand anatomy, physiology, biomechanics? Is that something that's interesting to you? And if it is, then great. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I would say is don't believe your negative stories. Like we all have stories in our head. Oh, I can't do this. I'm not ready to do this. I'm not good enough to do this. Don't believe it. If it's something you want to do, just go for it. I actually battled for a while. So my husband is older than I am. And so I always had this story in my head that I can't retire from my tech job until he does. Because it's, it just makes sense, right? He's older than me. He's going to retire first. And then I can do my thing. And I was talking with a friend of mine who had gotten, she was training to be a career coach. And I articulated this to her and and she said, why? And it just set me back. I'm like, why? I really don't have an answer to that. There's no reason for me to wait for him. A change in my story. It's, It's okay for me to do this. This is something I want to do. It's okay to do it. So you left your tech job before he did? (laughs) Yep. No regrets. No regrets. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. There's this great saying that is, don't believe everything that you think. Right. It's a great thing to keep in mind. Yeah. And I do think that women tend to do that much more than men. Now, I've never been inside a man's head, so I don't know for sure. But... We tell ourselves stories and and we always tell ourselves negative stories. We don't tell ourselves positive stories, generally speaking. And so we just need to get over that and realize that the stories we're telling ourselves are really not true. Try looking at yourself from the outside. Listen to what people are saying about you. And that'll give you maybe a little different perspective on what's actually happening in your life what like what you're actually doing oh yeah i guess i am doing these things i guess i am okay you know sometimes other people have a better perspective of who we are and who we're capable of than we do exactly exactly i'm curious about your own movement practice randy i met you at the functional aging summit and you did a cartwheel during our the social hour and (laughs) 
And talking about this t-shirt that you had, it says, make it look pretty. Tell me about that movement practice. So I've been following this organization called GMB. GMB GMB.io, if anybody's interested. And they are all about functional movement, body weight training, floor locomotion, and being in control of your body. Doing things on the floor, like crawling or doing monkey jumps or frog jumps on the floor. It's very core intensive and it's very upper body intensive. Requires a lot of mobility in your joints as well. And so I've been following them on and off for, I don't know, probably as long as I've been doing this now. I started dabbling. I was introduced to them by another personal trainer friend. And the past few months, I've been focusing on doing one of their programs. They have an apprenticeship program. And so I, I do a session two or three times a week where I'm doing I'm working on cartwheels and I'm working on handstands and I'm working on chin-ups and I'm working on floor locomotion movements and yeah. And it's just all over body strength. So it's not like your traditional, you know, back squats and chest press and, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. Is it something you do online? So the sessions are online, uh, but it's all self-paced. Okay. Yeah. So they have an app. You log into the app and they tell you which session is next and, you know, what are the, what are the movements you're going to be doing for that session? And they put a timer on it. So you start with some prep work and then you do some practice of specific moves and then you do some, what they call push, where you're, you're pushing through some like endurance training or some more mobility work. Yeah. So it's all, yeah, it's all self-paced and, and it's great. So I, what I've taken from this for my career is more about the mobility stuff. They have a lot of really good mobility programs for the shoulders, for the hips, for the feet, for the ankles. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do a lot of that stuff with my clients. None of my clients are interested in doing cartwheels. If they are, I know somebody. (laughs) It's fun. I really like doing cartwheels. Why not? Gee, what does that stand for something? So it used to stand for gold medal bodies, but they've gotten away from that and they just call it GMB. It okay. was started by three guys who have a background in gymnastics and martial arts and person oh. have physical therapy. Okay. Yeah. And the program's called, tell me again, GMB. So they have a series of programs. They have a okay. program called Elements one called Integral Strength. I'm doing their apprenticeship program. They have a mobility program. They have um, a flow program where you put movements together and it's like a flow on the floor. So they have a lot of different programs. Very interesting. I really want to check it out. It sounds a little bit like, yeah, martial arts meets mobility meets gymnastics meets parkour-ish type stuff all in one. Very cool. So you're doing that, you're doing cycling. What else is part of your movement lifestyle? That's enough. <laughs> In the winter, I go cross-country skiing. So we have a, a cabin up at Lake Tahoe. Okay. And uh, so I go up there and I go cross-country skiing in the winter. Okay. 
Yeah. Oh, very fun. Endurance. Very fun. Stuff. Yeah. This has been great, Randy. Is there any last things you'd want to say about being in the fitness industry or anything we haven't touched on that you think is worth mentioning? Not really. I, mean, I just want to reiterate the stories thing. Don't listen to your negative stories. If you want to do it, it's all about helping people. So the focus isn't on you anyway. The focus is on other people. Mm-hmm. So just go for it. That's a great note to end on. And if anybody wants to talk to me about it, I'm happy to discuss. Do you have a website, Instagram, Facebook? What is, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? So I do have a website. It's, oh, okay. I haven't been keeping it up to date. Um, but it's called movethroughlife.net. Okay. So my company is Move Through Life, T-H-R-U. I love that name. How'd you come up with that? So my sister-in-law helped me with that. So she asked me, what are you going to call this business? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not good with coming up with names. I just want to help people move through life. She's that's it. Move through life. There you go. Yes. Oh, shout out to my sister-in-law. How easy is that? Right. I love that so much. Okay. So I'll put that in the show description, move through life. Okay. So people can get in touch with you. Thank you so much, Randy. It was nice chatting with you, Aaron. Thanks for having me. If you're interested in becoming a fitness professional, the Functional Aging Institute is the go-to source for training mature clients by providing fitness professionals with the most current, up-to-date, and forward-thinking techniques and strategies. They offer certifications, videos, seminars, and on-site workshops. FAI is mentioned in almost every podcast episode to date. In the show description, there's a link to get 20% off the group exercise and functional aging specialist certification. Want to connect with guests on this podcast? Join the Second Act Fit Pros LinkedIn group. The group was created to connect aspiring health and fitness professionals to those currently working in the field. If you're interested in exploring a second act career in health and fitness, sign up for the second act fit pros newsletter. I provide information on online events. I host on how to become a health and fitness professional and opportunities to connect with others embarking on their second act career in health and fitness, a link to sign up for the newsletter, the LinkedIn group, and the FAI discount can all be found in the show description.